I'd like to read first, dear friends, from the prophet Isaiah and chapter 59. It's on page 898. Isaiah 59 and verse 1. Behold, Jehovah's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he doth not hear. Further down the page, verse 7. Their feet run to evil, they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are the thoughts of iniquity, wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace they know not, and there is no judgment in their goings. They have made their paths crooked, whoso goeth therein knoweth not peace. Middle of verse 15. And Jehovah saw it, and it was evil in his sight that there was no judgment. And he saw that there was no man, and he wondered that there was no intercessor. And his arm brought him salvation, and his righteousness, it sustained him. Verse 20, And the Redeemer will come to Zion, and unto, unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, saith Jehovah. And then in chapter 53 of the same book, Sorry, chapter 52 of the same book, page 892. Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that announceth glad tidings, that publisheth peace, that announceth glad tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, thy God reigneth. Voice of the watchmen, they lift up their voice, they sing aloud together, for they shall see eye to eye when Jehovah shall bring again Zion. Verse 13. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and lifted up and be very high. As many as were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man and his form more than the children of men. So shall he astonish many nations Kings shall shut their mouths at him, for what he what had not been told them, they shall see, and what they had not heard, shall they consider. Verse chapter fifty three, verse one: Who hath believed our report, and to whom hath the armor, arm of Jehovah been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender sapling, as a root out of dry ground. And so on. Verse 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And we did regard, we did regard him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. Jehovah hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Verse 10. Yet it pleased Jehovah to bruise him. He hath subjected him to suffering. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see a seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of Jehovah shall prosper in his hand. 
he shall see of the fruit of the travail of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant instruct many in righteousness. There shall bear, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I assign him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and was reckoned with his transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. If you'll just bear with me, I just want to read a few verses in Acts of the Apostles in chapter 10. Acts of the Apostles chapter 10 and verse 34. And Peter, opening his mouth, said of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that fears him and works righteousness is acceptable to him, which he sent to his to the sons of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all things. Ye know the testimony which has spread from the whole of Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism which John preached. Jesus, who was of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went through all quarters doing good and healing all that were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We also are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the, in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they also slew, having hanged him on a cross. This man God raised up the third day, and gave him to be openly seen, not of all the people, but of witnesses, who were chosen before of God, us who have eaten and drunk with him, after he arose from among, from among the dead, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he it is who was determined, determinately appointed of God to be judge of living and dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that every one that believes on him will receive through his name remission of sins. Will possibly be evident that what is on my heart tonight is the thought of peace. Peace is a very benevolent sort of thought and perhaps means different things to different people. But I don't want to speak about the phony sort of peace that men seek after. Men seek after peace among the nations and it usually ends up with some sort of compromise where each party is frightened to go over a certain line. What I want to speak about, dear friend, is a peace that God offers. And it is a settled peace that will not only last for time, but it will last for all eternity. It is a peace that was broken into in the early history of man upon the earth. Speaks of God coming down into the garden to commune with the creature that he had created. And what we find is that man is hiding from him. Man is hiding from God because he has had imparted to him the knowledge of sin. Now it is sin that causes us not to have peace. Peace with God. And we are all sinners, every single one of us. Bible tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It applies to a king in his castle, and it applies to the pauper on the street. It is the one thing 
that levels every single man. And that's the matter of sin. You know when the destroying angel went through the Egypt and slaughtered the firstborn of every house, it says that everyone who was not sheltered by the blood, everyone from the king in his palace to the one in the king's dungeon, everyone, the firstborn of everyone was taken. That is the levelling that, that, that is brought in, dear friend, by sin. This country recently buried its queen. There's a lot of very fine things being said about her. But there was a poignant moment when the crown was removed from the coffin. And she was just like any other sinner. Thankfully she was a sinner saved by the grace of God. And who had given witness to it. That same grace is available to each and every one tonight. Whosoever will may come to God tonight. But dear friend, you can't come in any sense of your own self-righteousness. You can't bring any of your righteousnesses to present to God because you know scripture tells us that even our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Think of all those good and great things that you've done in your life, dear friend. They're all as filthy rags. Just as bad as all those wicked sins you've done. Those wicked sins that you wish you'd never done and you would rather forget but you can't forget because they keep coming up in your mind. Dear friend, God has a righteous basis to put all those sins away. He's got a righteous basis through the glad tidings, through putting your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is why the gospel goes out tonight. That is why it is a gospel of glad tidings. Glad tidings of great joy. That was what was said to those shepherds, wasn't it? When they were in that field. And the the angel came down when the Lord Jesus came into the world. Said, glad tidings of great joy I bring. For unto you a saviour has been born. Where we read in Isaiah chapter 59. We see how... The wickedness of men. This of course specifically speaks about the tribe of Israel. Because they had turned against God time and time again. But every single one of us is on the same footing you know. But where I began to read it says Jehovah's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he doth not hear. Had really, I suppose, fallen out of favour with God. But Jehovah mercifully was looking upon them. And he said, Jehovah saw it and it was evil in his sight and there was no judgment. That is the pitiful state, you know, that man is in. Before a holy and righteous God. Think of all the things that men seek to do. All the laws they try to bring in. In some ways you despair you know. At the things they try to do. Therefore is justice far from us. And righteousness overtaken us. And righteousness overtaketh us not. What a, what a pitiful state. The heart of man without Christ. He saw that there was no man 
and he wondered that there was no intercessor. Well, God looked down upon men and saw their pitiful state. He could righteously have closed the scene in darkness. He could righteously have have closed the scene in righteousness. But you know, God is a merciful God. And he wants men to be free, to be free in his presence. Sometimes men ask, you know, they challenge God really. They say, if there's a God, why doesn't he stop all the trouble? Well, if we soberly consider that question, dear friend, we have to recognise that God would have to bring in his judgment upon this world if he's going to stop all the trouble. <clears throat> One day that is going to happen. But I can, be th- I can tell you tonight that that is not now. Not now. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable year before the Lord. God's appeal would go out to you now, dear friend. Not to put things off to another day, because that day is going to come when the scene is going to be closed. Where God is going to bring in his judgment. And he is going to judge the whole habitable world by the man whom he has appointed. That man who he's going to judge the habitable world by is the one who he spoke, spoke about, or we read about, the Redeemer will come to Zion. Yes, the Lord Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners. Yes, to save sinners. But first of all, he came to his own people. And what happened? They rejected him. They said, we will not have this man to reign over us. We will not have him. They were shamed, I suppose, by his righteousness. He, every footstep that he took, exuded the glory of God. You know, everything that he did, it was a demonstration that God was with him. Every foot, every place he went to, he really exposed the evil heart of men. And really, I suppose that's why men at the time hated him. They said, we will not have this one to reign over us. But the Lord Jesus Christ came, not just to live a good life, a life which was pleasing to God. We read about that in the Acts, all the wonderful things that he did when he walked here amongst men. But he came to be a saviour for sinners like you and like me. So tonight, we have glad tidings to proclaim. Beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that announceth glad tidings, that publisheth peace. Yes, God wants to bring you, dear friend, into peace. Into peace with himself. Not the sort of phony peace that gets offered in the world system. But he wants to bring you into into peace. Peace with himself, knowing that the whole of your sin, the sin question has been dealt with. And it's been dealt with by the man, the Lord Jesus Christ. He shall be exalted and lifted up and be very high. That, of course, speaks of when he, when he was raised from amongst the dead. But, you know, he had to go by way of death. It speaks of his visage being so, so marred more than any man. His form more than the children of men. You know, these words that we read are 
I could have read the whole of chapter 53 as well, but I didn't want to weary you with my, with my reading. Think of the glory of the Lord Jesus expressed in these words. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. We, we did regard him smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. Not his own, he had no transgressions. In him, sin was not. Knew no sin, neither was there guile found in his mouth. But it goes further than that and says, in him, sin was not. You know, when Satan took him, after he had been baptised, Satan took him into the wilderness to be tested for 40 days. I wonder, you know, at God allowing that, and yet he did so. We can't really go into why that was. And yet he had not not a, 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 a chink there. Couldn't be a chink that Satan could get on the Lord Jesus Christ. Sorry to use such common expressions, but I can't think of words to express it at the moment. He was absolutely perfect. Absolutely without sin. There was not one feature of sin in the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who went to the cross at Calvary, the one who was lifted up upon that cross, was one who was perfect. One who has brought great delight to his God and Father. One who had walked every footstep of his pathway in the, in the perfect pleasure of his God and Father. One who, whose very presence, as we've already said, exposed the sinfulness of men, the light appeared in the darkness. The darkness apprehended it not. You know how dark men's hearts were. This is the judgment that light is come into the world and men have loved darkness rather than light for their works were evil. For everyone that does evil hates the light and does not come to the light that his works may not be shown as they are. Presence of the Lord Jesus exposes the inner workings of our hearts, dear friend. You come into the presence of the Lord Jesus, you have to recognise that the inner workings of your heart are going to be exposed. Going to be exposed to him, he already knows them anyway. But dear friend, they will be exposed to you as well. And it will do one of, one of two things. You will either think that you can shut it out, or you will bow down in repentance towards the Lord Jesus. Repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the simple terms of the glad tidings, you know. It's the greatest contract that anyone can enter into, you know. And it's probably the shortest one as well. You know, men enter into contracts these days and there's pages and pages and pages of small print that has to be signed off because they want to protect themselves. Well, the contract with God is to simply come to him in repentance, accept that you are a sinner and accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your own personal saviour. So it says, yet it pleased Jehovah to bruise him. You know, you wouldn't dare to say something like that if it wasn't written in the scripture, would you? Such was God's love towards you and towards me that he was pleased to allow the Lord Jesus Christ to bear the sins of the many. The sins of all who will put their faith and trust in him. 
That's how it can be written that it pleased Jehovah to bruise him. He hath subjected him to suffering. Thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see a seed. And he shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of Jehovah shall prosper in his hand. What wonderful words. I really can't add to those words, dear friend. I leave them with you to consider. To consider how much it cost. And I speak carefully when I say this. Not only the Lord Jesus himself, but God himself to put his own precious son, the one in whom he had found his delight through that suffering, through the suffering of Calvary's cross, because your soul and my soul were so important to him and there was no other way in which your righteousness could be established before a holy and righteous God. It's a wonderful thing, you know, to know that there is a righteous basis, one which none can question, none can challenge. God has a righteous basis to put our sins as far as the east is from the west, you know. God has that righteous basis. So we get in the Acts, Peter's preaching, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, But in every nation, he that fears him and works righteousness is acceptable to him. Well, we've already stated that our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, so how can we possibly work righteousness? We can work righteousness, dear friend, by accepting God's free offer of grace. Why not accept God's His free offer of grace down at the feet of of the Lord, take your place, the hymn writer says. Word which he sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. You know the testimony which has spread through the whole of Judea. We spoke of all the wonderful things that the Lord did. <clears throat> Speaks of the healing that he brought in. Witness given, Peter could say that they were witnesses. That the Lord Jesus had not only been into death, but he had been raised again the third day. And he commanded us to preach and to testify that he it is who was determinately appointed of God to be judge of living and the dead. So the Lord Jesus is going to be the one who is brought in to judge the world. But if friend tonight he is offered as a saviour. He's offered as your saviour if you'll accept him. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone that believes on him will receive through his name remission of sins. What a lovely message, isn't it? What a wonderful message. One or two wonderful messages in the glad tidings. Often think of the message that Mary received at the at the tomb. Go tell my brethren, I ascend to my father and your father, to my God and your God. You know, there was a basis by which Relationship could be established with the eternal God. My God and your God. My Father and your Father. Righteous basis on which it could be established. Because the Lord Jesus had been into death. He'd taken the sins of the many into death. And he'd risen from from among the dead by the glory of the Father. Wonderful thing that to know. 
that there is now no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. Do you know it for yourself, dear friend? Do you have the conscious knowledge of this relationship with God without let or without hindrance? It's what's spoken of in the Gospels as eternal life, you know. It's what the, how the Lord described <coughs> eternal life. They should know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. That is what eternal life is. Lawyer came to the Lord Jesus and said, how may I inherit eternal life? Says later on that he had loads of possessions. It rather looked like the man was seeking to live his life down here, engrossed in his possessions for ever and ever. Well, dear friend, that's the completely the wrong idea of eternal life. Eternal life is life established on a righteous basis with a holy and righteous God. To know that there is no, nothing to stand in the way of that relationship because all your sins have been washed away in the precious shed blood of Jesus. Do you put your trust in the shed blood of Jesus, you know? Quite often here people say about the various things that they put their trust in. Very seldom do you hear people say in your in your daily life that they put their trust in the precious shed blood of Jesus. Dear friend, that's the only thing that's worth trusting, you know. Plenty of evidence lately, haven't we, that politicians can't be trusted and things like that. Man's systems can't be trusted. The th- one thing that can be trusted is the precious shed blood of Jesus. It can be trusted because God has seen it. When I see the blood, I will pass over, he said to the Israelites. And in the same way, he can say to the sinner tonight, when I see the blood, I can pass over. Yes, the spear went into the side of Jesus' side and out flowed blood and water. Blood was for God and the water for our side to show that there is cleansing for the pathway here. Blood of the sacrifices was always for God, said, uh, and we, you can see in the Old Testament how some misused that and it brought disaster upon them and upon the nation. But, dear friend, let us put our faith and trust in the shed blood of Jesus. Let us recognise that he went into death on our account and that he was raised by the glory of the Father God showed his delight in the finished work of Jesus. It is offered tonight as it was when they first preached in the Acts. It's the same message. It's the same basis. Nothing has changed in God's sight, you know. And of course, nothing has changed in man's history either. Man might have got a bit more sophisticated in his ways of doing. But, dear friend, man in his natural state is still a sinner. And as being a sinner, he is far from God. Well, let us put the matter right by putting our faith and trust in the only way in which is acceptable to God, the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, may you make it your own for his name's sake.